and welcome to the FT Advisor podcast. Each week we'll be joined by guests from the financial services world to discuss the most pressing industry issues. I'm Amy Austin, News Editor, FT Advisor, and today I will be discussing the FCA's upcoming review into retirement income advice with Toby Bentley, a financial advisor at Leif & Co, and Tom McPhail, Director of Public Affairs at the Landcat. So welcome to you both and thank you for joining us. Thanks for having us. Back in January, the Financial Conduct Authority announced it would review the level of advice consumers are receiving from IFAs on meeting their income needs in retirement. The regulator said it would start contacting firms shortly as part of the review, in which it will also engage with trade bodies. So Tom, I thought we could start with you. What do you think advisors can expect from the FCA when it comes to this review? Uh, well, this lands in the middle of uh, the consumer duty work, which they did highlight in their announcement around this review. I think there's a couple of things to think about here. One is um, the FCA is, is, is continues to grapple with pension freedoms and the post-2015 retirement income settlement. And I think it's still struggling to understand really how to regulate it. So we've had the retirement income market study. We had the retirement outcomes review. We've had the assessing suitability review. Now we've got this. And it keeps on going. I'm not sure if there's an end game here. But for advisors, I think coming back to that point about consumer duty, um, I think they're going to look pretty closely at the value chain and costs. And uh, I think there's going to be some pretty close scrutiny of uh, the overall package the consumers are enjoying, the cost of the platform, the cost of the funds, the cost of the advice, and how this all stacks up in the context of retirement income. Um, I think it's also interesting they flag they're going to look at lifetime mortgages as well. So equity release is going to come into the mix too. So there's going to be quite a lot going on there. Sure. And Toby, what do you think? Yeah, I think just echoing initially what sort of Tom said, I think it'll be so largely a continuation of the FCA sort of ongoing review process anyway, specifically, as, as Tom mentioned, within the sort of consumer duty. Um, I think the big things, the sort of two key focuses advisors sort of want to want to look at is the, the focus on sort of advisors kind of implementation of advice and sort of especially around retirement income. And then also the outcomes, which, you know, well, the quality of outcomes specifically. And I think... Uh, yeah, as Tom mentioned, it's going to be really hard to sort of quantify this. I know they've sort of basketed the, the outcomes into things like, you know, relationships with products and services, costs, values, um, sort of consumer understanding, consumer support. But it's a huge area of the advice industry. So it's going to be a really tough job to sort of quantify those, I suppose. Sure. And what do we kind of think the FCA will be looking for? You know, are they going to start going into firms and looking for, you know, poor advice processes for example and if so you know how will they act are we going to see you know permissions stripped and all of that stuff should we stick with you Toby yeah I I think so I mean first of all how are they going to look for it it's going to be sort of um you know going into firms researching is sort of a big job they've already been doing I think one thing to remember is actually a lot of the insights they provide are going to be really useful going forwards. I know you mentioned are they going to be looking at sort of poor practice, but actually if we're looking at how to increase good practice in the future, those insights are going to be going to be invaluable. So yeah, and then on on sort of I think you know continuation of fines things like that are, are sort of a uh, probably what can be expected. But um, yeah, I'd, I'd I'd expect a you know a focus on poor practice, but also you know, it's really, really important to understand that, that sort of the insights from the good practice can be used going forward as well. Sure, Tom, do you have anything to add to that? Yeah, no, I, I absolutely agree with everything Toby said there. Um, a couple of things I'd add to that. One is, of course, we've this, this is in the context of everything that happened with British Steel 
um, and a somewhat chastened regulator that I think uh, needs needs to show it's on the case. So um, I think it's going to be, to Toby's point, I think we're looking pretty closely at processes. Um, so I think the challenge for advisors is um, it's not enough to do a good job. You've got to be able to evidence you're doing a good job. Um, and you've got to be able to show how everything stacks up, that you've looked at the value chain, that you can show how your processes work, and then you can show you're delivering good outcomes for your customers. Um, now, I mean, that, and that might just sound like, you know, well, obviously we do that already and that's common sense, but I just think that's the kind of thing the SCA is going to be looking for here. Sure, and it kind of really echoes the consumer duty. So do you think that's why, you know, they've done it at this time? Because firms should technically already be like looking at this and, you know, showing their good practices and showing that they're, you know, looking out for the consumer. So do you think that's what the FCA kind of had in mind? I, I, th- I think this fits into that direction of travel. Uh, uh, I mean, some of this is just picking up work that was paused uh, as a consequence of COVID, that ex- assessing suitability review, in fact, the second assessing suitability review, that got paused. And so to some extent, this is them just picking up work they were going to do anyway. But then uh, I think we've seen a bit of an evolution in the regulator in the last couple of years, and, and consumer duty is a very significant evidence of that and so so this now sits within that that regulatory mindset that we're now experiencing and i think also um as you know we're hearing elsewhere the the, the value for money work that's uh, a joint undertaking between fca and tpr um dwp have had a hand in as well these things all intersect um and it's all about uh finding the solutions that give good value to the customer and then being able to evidence that you're giving good value to the customer Sure. And Toby, do you think, you know, with advisors, this coming along, is it extra work for them? Or do you think that with consumer duty, kind of, you know, it will be already being done? Yeah, I don't think it'll be extra work. I think the, the, the sort of the key in all the FCA messaging around this is actually it's just about sort of reinforcing and embedding the practices that firms should already be implementing anyway. Um, so I, I think it'd be welcomed. I don't think, you know, any any review that's sort of client outcome focused should always be welcomed. Um, and actually just to kind of, I guess segue on Tom's point. The most firms will feel like they're doing this anyway. I think the really important bit will actually uh, be to evidence it. Like Tom said, you know, it's not enough to internally feel like you have good practices, or you know, even your clients to think that that's the sort of, you know, exactly the case. It's actually being able to evidence it, being able to sort of. Yeah, put down on paper sort of how your processes work, um, the outcomes that come from them. So yeah, I think it's it's definitely a review that should be, yeah, it'll be welcomed by most advisors. It'll be part of most people's processes anyway. But yeah, as Tom mentioned, the evidence of it will be the the sort of the extra work, I guess, that you you kind of mentioned there. Sure. And I think so. I think um, I'm really interested in the evolution we've seen in some of the. Um, <sighs> non-advised direct access solutions that exist and the extent to which those will be used as benchmarks here. So if I can go online and get a cash flow planner, um, if I can go online and come up with some investment solutions, if I can, you know, I think I think the challenge for financial advisors is to say, well, okay, if that's what you can do on your own, how am I adding value here? And, and, you know, good IFAs will have no difficulty in answering that question. And I get that. But I think the world has moved on again a little bit from where we were a couple of years ago. And we've seen some really interesting new entrants. There's a business called Guide that's doing a lot of kind of sort of self-service retirement income solutions. And I know, you know, 
delivering retirement income is not simple. I mean, you, for professional advisors, it's still not a simple proposition. So managing it on your own without the help of an advisor is potentially quite a hazardous undertaking. I, I get all of that. But I think I'd be interested to see to what extent those kind of elements of the equation feed into the FCA's review and become part of their uh, assessment of value. Sure. And do you think, you know, uh, like IFA should be worried about this review, you know, or do you think they should kind of welcome it with open arms? I uh, I, I, I'd agree with Toby on this. I think it's if, if you're a good good financial advisor, you know, I, I can't see there's anything to fear here. Um, and maybe it will just challenge you to improve things a bit. You know, as, as Toby says, you know, if there's good out good output from this, well, maybe we can all learn from that and do things a little bit better in the future. But I, I don't think good IFAs uh, who are already putting the customer's interests first and you know good processes and good product selection systems and so on it, 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 it'll be fine it'll just probably be a bit of a pain in the ass because these things always are yeah on top of all the surveys that they keep getting sent <laughs> um and toby is this kind of you know is this kind of showing the advisors that the fca is actually a proactive you know regulator and that they can't just kind of sit back and just you know yeah, that's an interesting one. I think, I mean, Tom mentioned it earlier, this this review's been pushed back, a, you know, a, a year or two. I'm not sure of the exact time frame, but um, COVID's obviously pushed it back. Um, and it's kind of landed at a point where we're sort of dealing with a cost of living crisis. So it's going to be more in the spotlight. We're dealing with potentially a fundamental shift in how markets work now from COVID. Um, there's, there's, there's almost a, um, I get the feeling that the whole industry advises, you know, regulators, even retirees, have almost somewhat become slightly complacent. We've had kind of like a decade almost prior to COVID of, of fairly robust markets and a bit of a tailwind that people have benefited from. And that's meant that actually the prospect of retiring has been quite a quite a nice one to plan for. People have sort of seen their pots growing. They kind of think that, you know, this should be a fairly straightforward drawdown process and uh, or retirement process, however people want to do it. But what that's meant is is potentially the review has almost come at a point where we've kind of gone, oh, okay, maybe now when markets are going to change as cost of living crisis, it, it feels almost like it could be reactive. So, yeah, I don't know. It's sort of, it's going to land at a good time, but it, you almost feel it should have started a few years ago to have got to this point. Yeah. And I mean... Yeah, no. I think Toby makes a really good point there. The timing is really interesting for all the reasons he's touched on. And of course, as part of all of that, we've seen this resurgence in, in guaranteed incomes in the last six mm. months or so that all of a sudden annuity rates are getting kind of popular again, uh, which is it, it actually in itself, and I, I referenced it earlier on, is presenting some interesting challenges for the equity release side of the equation and the lifetime mortgage bit, which they are looking at. There's been some real challenges for that sector. But, um, you know, building on Toby's point, for the last six, seven, eight years post-pension freedoms, the markets have been going up pretty steadily, blip for COVID. But, you know, it was quite quite an easy environment in which to do drawdown, much less so now. And and so that challenge of, you know, should it even be drawdown? What about annuities? Remember those? Well, maybe they, <laughs> they should play a part in your retirement income portfolio. I think that's a, it is a really interesting moment. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think a lot of people forget that annuities, I mean, advisors included, um, they for kind of forget that they're there and that they should probably, you know, any good advisor should consider them as well as draw down. So it might be that this review kind of touches on that. Um, I don't know what you think, Toby. Yeah, I think, I mean, we've got sort of George Osborne to blame for that. <laughs> yeah. <haven't we>? But, <laughs> yeah, I think um, 
you're quite right. Annuities have sort of really fell out of out favour for a good few years. Um, but with 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 any sort of advice, whether it's pre-retirement, post-retirement, it, you know, every single person's going to be different. Everybody's needs going to be different. So there's no there's sort of no benefit to discounting any kind of retirement vehicle um, until it gets to their that the sort of person's point where it, you know it. it they they get to retirement essentially so so yeah things like annuities you know maybe having a sort of element of annuity within your sort of drawdown plan there's there's all sorts of options and actually not having an understanding of any one of those options sort of leaves someone at a disadvantage yeah and i mean back in i can't remember where it was now i think it was like october time but the the fca's agm um, they kind of, you know, they did say we're actually shifting our focus from the DB transfer world into, you know, retirement income advice. Um, Tom, maybe I could start with you. Do you think this is the right step to take? Do you think that the FCA's work with DB transfers is done? Because, I, you know, the British Steel saga is still rumbling on. We haven't seen the redress scheme in action just yet. And there's still kind of, you know, a lot of resistance against it. Um, I'm I'm gonna hesitate. I hesitate to comment <laughs> too deeply on that. Um, my perception is, and I've not been close to the British Steel stuff in recent months. My perception is that that um, is 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 as an issue is now winding down. That um, the, the redress scheme, because the redress schemes are in place, and um, hopefully there's not much more mis-selling going on now. So. I, I, my, my sense is the FCA is it's, it's focus of attention. The eye of Sauron has moved elsewhere now, um, uh, and they are looking elsewhere. And, and I think, I think that makes sense. Uh, but um, I, 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 I'm open to correction on that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think. Do you think it is? I know you said both of you that you think this is coming at the right time, but do you think seven years is enough to have seen pension freedoms in action and like kind of? the outcome they had or do you think you know this re- review might be a little bit too early in terms of seeing you know what pension freedoms have done toby yeah that's a really interesting point because you need to you, you almost need the review at the outset for people to understand their options and how retirement sort of income can work but at the same time you need a long enough time frame to give yourself a bank of data to, to actually quantify any sort of outcomes from so it's sort of a chicken and egg um i think realistically if you if you if you look at the review and sort of see it as a as a way almost the scrutiny on advisors to sort of have a robust robust process is as important as the outcomes themselves because even if it's just just the focus on advisors being able to sort of provide those um, provide those outcomes in a, in a in a way that's sort of quantifiable is that's sort of as important as the outcome so i almost think the review it probably doesn't have enough data or time under its belt to, to sort of give anything particularly meaningful but the actual scrutiny itself probably means advisors can sort of I guess sort of regroup and focus on on the issues that are being assessed essentially. Sure and Tom what do you think about the whole pension freedoms time frame? Uh, no I think I absolutely agree with with Toby I've got to stop doing that it's becoming <laughs> boring um, I think um the it's interesting the focus of attention here is on the retirement income advice and I'm, I'm i'm absolutely fine with that and i think it's a good thing to do and as toby says you know there's just, perhaps there's never a good moment you you kind of got to build a sort of work on it as you go along i think it's interesting when you look at the retirement income data that the fca publishes and uh that obviously encompasses a lot of um transactions that are that are non-advised um what you see there is a lot of people taking quite high levels of income out of drawdown. 
and and there's some interesting transactions going on there. There's a lot of small pots just getting flushed out of cash, but right up the value chain, you know, right up to the so pretty large pots. You're saying people taking 6%, 8% or more out of their pension pots. And what I want to know is what is going on there. And I don't think that is going to be part of this review because it appears they're looking at the advisory processes, which is fine. But I'd love to see more detail, you know, some really qualitative digging deep into doing individual interviews. You know, do you know what you're doing, Mr. Customer? Why did you make these decisions? Really build up some some sort of quite layered insights into the thought processes around people's retirement income transactions. Because on the face of it, some of the data suggests that uh, here we are seven years in. Um, if we come back in another seven years or in 15 years' time, those people will have run out of money and that they may still be alive. And that, you know, do, do they know that? Uh, what are we going to do about that? I think there's some interesting questions in there. Yeah, I guess it's pretty skewed towards, you know, people that actually have, you know, quite big pension assets and then can actually, you know, afford advice rather than the the smaller people out there, you know, who don't necessarily have as much and therefore, you know, advice isn't kind of an option for them. So I guess it won't kind of show us, you know, retirement income market in general, more just, you know, the people with money. Yeah, exactly, yeah. yeah. Um, just going back to your point, Tom, I know you mentioned it earlier about like the whole costs and charges um, mm. of advisors when they're kind of looking at this review and you think that's where, you know, they're going to go. Um, there was a couple of things, you know, the FCA, I think it was last week now, in one of their podcasts that they're doing about the consumer duty and the, you know, the different mm. outcomes, they were saying, you know, that they absolutely do expect advisors to change costs and charges, you know, where it's not working for the consumer and be really transparent on them. But then there was this um, research that came out where, you know, most of advisors, I think it was like three and five, were like, we're not changing our costs and charges and we don't expect to have consumer duty. So there's, you know, there's there's kind of, it's not quite working between the regulator and advisors. And I just wondered, Tom, what you think, you know, they're kind of going to be trying to achieve with this review? Well, I think um, I think you know your answers in your question a bit there, isn't it? I think mm. I think the FDA is preoccupied with um, the cost of advice. I think it's it, for a long time it's been preoccupied with the cost of advice. I mean, there are good reasons why financial advice costs what it does, and I don't think. Uh, I mean, looking elsewhere, it's interesting they're trying to introduce this simplified advice regime for for ISAs and trying to make the cost of advice a little more accessible elsewhere i think with the kind of thing we're talking about here advice is never going to be that cheap because it is really complex and as soon as you're taking regulatory responsibility for delivering those outcomes to your customer and you know the qualifications and the training and the systems and the processes and everything that an ifa does or financial advisor does that goes with all of that you know this there's a limit to how far you can bring the cost down and i think so when you're looking at some of the larger pension pots, you know, sort of six-figure pots, half a million pounds and upwards, people are going to be willing to pay that because they want the reassurance, they want the comfort of having a professional take them by the hand and and add value to their retirement income transactions because getting this stuff wrong is 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 hugely consequential. So so I yeah I think I think you ask a really good question. Uh, I'm not sure where the FCA can take this because I think there's always going to be a base level to the cost of advice in this space. Sure, and Toby, as an advisor, what do you think yeah, of this area? There's a sort of like two sides to this coin. I think one of the one of the things Tom mentioned was interesting. On one on the one hand, you know, advice is always going to cost money, and actually, sort of the the sad irony is the more the FCA 
sort of dig into this, the more that's required from advisors, the more sort of adequacy rules there are, then obviously inadvertently it's going to, you know, it ends up costing advisors more and therefore costing customers more. So it's the sort of one side of the coin is that, yeah, advice is always going to cost money. The other side of the coin is there's got to be a, a sort of sensible middle ground where that value is is really understood by the regulator, the advisor, and ultimately the customer. Because, you know, if if we have that situation where a customer completely understands how much they're paying, what they're paying for, the value they're getting, then that's kind of the outcome we're looking for. If if you have the the sort of opposite where, you know, the FCA or the regulators are pushing for for changing costs and, and, and advisors aren't willing to change and then ultimately customers are sort of, you know, left in the dark, that's that's sort of the yeah, the opposite of, of, of what we want. So it's, it's yeah, two sides of the coin that costs are always going to be there. It's any it's like any service. You've sort of ultimately got to be paid for, but at the same time, it's got to be done in a way that's sort of fully, um, yeah, fully transparent and customers know exactly what they're paying for. Sure. And Tom, um, just coming back to you, how long do you think, you know, it will be until we really see, you know, the results of this review? You know, will it be five years down the line, for example? Uh, hopefully sooner than that. Um, so they said they're going to start their review Q1 2023. I don't know what work they've already initiated on it and whether they're out there talking to people already on it. Um, but they talk about producing a report uh, on this this phase of work um, towards the end of 2023. Um, so hopefully reasonably swift uh, process. So I think there's some interesting challenges for the uh, for the industry and i'm thinking particularly of the trade bodies here um, and the extent to which they want to kind of lean into this work and engage with the fca um, and speak up on behalf of their their members whether those are financial advisors or, or product manufacturers or distributors or whatever um, so so i hope hopefully it'll be reasonably quick um and uh come back this time next year and we can do another podcast on it yeah absolutely i mean i think it was only a couple of weeks ago i was doing a simplified advice one and we said the same thing so the fca has definitely got a lot on its plate at the moment with you know introducing everything but we'll have to watch this space and see what happens well, Tom and Toby, thank you so much for joining us this week. Uh, tune in next week where we'll discuss other goings-on in the industry.